put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Do you make provision for the flesh? Oh, it's easy to do. It's easy to kind of still feed the flesh. <laughs> Provide for it. We wonder why it's still kind of an angry master and welling up and so strong. is because we're feeding it. We're filling our mind and our hearts, perhaps, with the normal fare on the television screen. Well, that feeds the lusts of the flesh. Don't make provision for it. Don't coddle it. Don't excuse it. I don't care if you just came to Christ this week or if you've been a Christian 35 years. Make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today, we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott concludes the four-part message titled, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. 1 Peter 4.2 So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, the long... The rest of your life, Christian, we've, we've been called to live in the flesh, you know, while we're here in this body, to live the rest of the time no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. We don't live to please men in general or ourselves, the lusts of men, but we're, we live for the will of God. For he says, the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles. He says, what is the lust of men? He said, you know what it is. The time already passed is sufficient for you to have lived that way, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousals, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. And in all this, they're surprised that you don't run with them into the same excess of dissipation. And they malign you. People say, what's wrong with you? You're not enjoying yourself like you used to, like we do. But they shall give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Now, that's the deeds of darkness. It has no place in the Christian's life. Our joy is not to get so drunk that we can forget our troubles. Our joy is not to spend all our time just trying to party it up and forget things. Oh, no, he said, the time already passed. You've been called out of that? Praise God. That's the deeds of darkness. Leave it behind. Peter says, I know they'll act like there's something wrong with you, but they're going to give an account to the one who's ready at the door to judge, just like James said. So he says, not in carousing and drunkenness. And look at verse 13 for a minute in our text, and notice he says it three times, not, 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 not in. And there's three couplets, and the first one we just looked at, carousing and drunkenness. The second one, sexual promiscuity and sensuality. You see, when people don't know God, when people are in the dark, they live for this kind of thing. And he says, not in coite. That's the word here for sexual promiscuity. And it's a very picturesque word. I mean, it's the word for bed. Uh, it, when Jesus told that parable, the guy that was already in bed, when the guy knocked on the door, he was in bed with his kids. He said, I'm already in bed. When he says, let the marriage bed be held in honor among all, this is the word he uses, Hebrews 13. Back in chapter 9, it's translated conception because it took on the same meaning that we say when somebody says they bed people or sleep around, and he says, not in beds, it's plural. 
He says, that's not the way to live, sexual promiscuity, in all its ramifications. Oh, the marriage bed is sacred. Let it be held in honor among all who know Christ. God gave us sex, and it's a beautiful thing in its confines. But misused, it's part of the lifestyle of darkness. And he says, not in promiscuity and sensuality. I don't know how you could better describe our culture today. And these two come together, don't they? People drug themselves up with alcohol or drugs and partying, and it's inevitably linked with immorality and sensuality, and our media and our entertainment and our conversations and everything just permeated with this. He says, no, no, that's the deeds of darkness. And then look at the third little knot. Not in strife and jealousy. You know, strife is a strong word. It's that brokenness of human relationships that comes when people just strive for themselves and what they want. And there's kind of a belligerent opposition to anything else. And a jealousy here is sometimes translated in a positive way as zeal. But here it's a zeal for my own way. And what will satisfy me? And it's the inevitable cousin to the first two couplets. In other words, look at that verse, and it describes our day-to-day drugs, immorality, and brokenness, and strife, and lives broken and all twisted because life lived for self and the lust of the flesh is not life at all. And not just individual lives, But relationships just gone awry because when you live for the lusts of the flesh, well, it doesn't work. And, you know, I could cite all the statistics, but everybody knows them because most of us have lived them. And you look at your own marriage or your own family or your parents or your kids and you just see brokenness everywhere you look today. Why is that? Because... The lust of the flesh did not satisfy. It doesn't work. And so you've got, what a great description of the deeds of darkness. And he doesn't leave us guessing. There is no place for drugs and drunkenness and partying in the carousing sense of the word. There's no place in the Christian life for beds, plural, Oh, to take that which God honors and which has so much potential for intimacy and joy and to twist it the way our world has to where it's just constantly the innuendo of comments and humor and the lifestyle that you're seeing modeled all around you, the deeds of darkness. He says there's no place for that in our life. And it leads inevitably to the strife and jealousy and brokenness where that which God created to be such a blessing, the marriage bed and all that goes with it and the family, it's broken. It's dysfunctional, we say. And it's such a great term, really. It's just not working. Why? Because we're trying to do it with the deeds of darkness. And Christians, he says, put that stuff off. That's not your lifestyle. This do, knowing the time, he's just about back. Don't be living in this stuff. Now, I take verse 13 and I say, what a great description. In fact, Peter, not Paul, but Peter, 
said, you've been redeemed from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. I mean, this is where life always goes. This isn't new to the 21st century. This is where life lived apart from God, which is mere existence. It really isn't life at all. It's living death, kind of. But this is what people think is life. This is really living. And it's never worked, and it never will. And it never brings joy. It never brings satisfaction. Peter says, you've been redeemed from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers. You say, people have always lived this. Yeah, they have. It's been futile from the beginning. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, the wreckage of sin is very real. And he says, that's the deeds of darkness. You've been called out of darkness into light. Put that stuff off. Don't wear the old grave clothes. And then notice what he says. Put on the armor of light. What a great contrast to the deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Now, he doesn't go into as much detail here in Romans 13 as he did the deeds of darkness. Uh, in one sense, he has already described the armor of light. He's been for a chapter and a half describing Christian living. But there are so many other passages that speak so clearly when we come to this matter. What is the armor of light? What, what, what should our lifestyle be? Let me just read a few of them, and I'd encourage you to turn to them if you can. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5. He says in Romans, he just says, put on the armor of light or put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on a Christ-like lifestyle. What will that look like? First Thessalonians, after he's just told us of our blessed hope, the Lord's return. And you know, the Thessalonian epistles are permeated with the return of Christ. He says it's going to catch people by surprise. It's going to come like a thief in the night to those who are living in the darkness. They'll be saying, oh, everything's fine, peace and safety. And suddenly, like a thief, birth pangs upon a woman. All of a sudden, boom, right there. He says, but you, look at verse 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. And most of the crime, ask a cop, is done at night. Most of the sin, the overt sin he just rebuked, the deeds of darkness, is done in the dark. Men love the darkness rather than literally the night time. He says, listen, you're not of the night, you're of the day. Those who sleep, those who are spiritually sleepy and drowsy, that's when they sleep is at night. Those who get drunk spiritually or otherwise... I do it at night. He says, no, since we're of the day, look at verse 8. Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our day is coming soon. Salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. He's coming back for us. He's going to deliver us from this world of darkness. Don't live in it. Live in the day. Put on the armor of light, the breastplate of faith and love, the helmet of, 
hope of salvation. You know, you, when you think of armor, I always think, don't you, of uh, if you're familiar with the Bible, you start, where, where does he speak of armor? Well, in Ephesians 6, when he says, you know, stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Uh, stand your ground. Put on truth and righteousness and the gospel of peace and faith and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and he gives all the armor, you know. And I think if you were to look at all the armor of light, that'd be a good place to go. Here in Thessalonians, he draws the same picture, but he just reduces it. Notice, look at verse 8, to the breastplate and helmet. And that's why you ought not to labor over the imagery of these pictures as much as just getting the main point. So he reduces this to breastplate and helmet, and he says, faith, love, and hope. What's the Christian life? And what's the armor of light? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, Paul said, is love. So you can take, like, all the armor of Ephesians 6, and it reduces down to three elements in Thessalonians, and really what he's just said in Romans. Listen, if you love, you won't commit adultery. You won't steal. You won't kill. Because love does no wrong to a neighbor. That's why I say love your neighbor and you've fulfilled the law, Paul says. And do this, knowing the time, put on the armor of light. Or turn a page over to Colossians. Colossians 3, verse 9, where he still uh, uses this imagery. Don't lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practice. You've put that stuff off and have put on the new self. And by the way, verse 9 and 10 are a great statement of it. You already have laid aside and you have put on and you are being renewed, verse 10, to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. You're a new creature in Christ. The Bible keeps these things in tension. You are clothed in Christ but you need to be clothed in Christ. You need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So after just stating it in Colossians 3 that that's true, notice, look at verse 12. He describes it. So as those who've been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. I marvel, really, at how consistent these statements are. Turn over to Ephesians 4 and look at it again. Ephesians 4, he says the same thing, but with different verbiage. And in each case, it helps us know what does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22, Ephesians 4, In reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You say, well, what, what do you mean by that, Paul? Well, then he describes it, one of the best statements in Scripture. Again, verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth. Maybe your way of life used to be characterized by deceit. It just was natural. Put that aside, he says. Speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, 
We're members one of another. Be angry, and your old lifestyle was just characterized by anger and bitterness and malice and wrath. He says, listen, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. There's only one kind of anger that's permissible for a Christian, righteous anger. And it's not the kind that wells up and is burdensome and turns into malice and bitterness. No. If you're angry, he says, okay, but deal with it. And don't let it fester into a sinful anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity, verse 27. Let him who steals, verse 28, steal no longer. Rather, let him labor. You used to take what wasn't yours. Don't do that anymore. In fact, work so that you can give to others. And then what about your language, your conversation? Verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. I see people come to Christ, you've seen it, and their language, I mean just the overt vocabulary, starts to change. And it, the old garbage just drops out like dry leaves off a branch. And instead, they start to say things that, instead of tear down, build up. And he says, that's the way it should be. And he leaves us not guessing about this. That's not just occasional. That's the way it should be. Put off the deeds of darkness. Put on a new vocabulary, a new way of speaking, so that you speak for the edification. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He says, and let all bitterness, verse 31, and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. And be kind, on the other hand, to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. You know, Galatians 5 says the same thing. I won't take the time to turn there. It says the same thing under the headings, the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. The old, put it off, has no place in your life. Put on. The fruit of the Spirit. How? By walking in the Spirit. When he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's saying, let the Spirit of Jesus Christ control your life. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. How will he do that? By his word. And we'll walk in obedience to him, and the fruit of the light will overflow in our lives. He says, finally, look back at our text. And I would be remiss if I didn't comment on the final phrase. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Do you make provision for the flesh? Oh, it's easy to do. It's easy to kind of still feed the flesh. <laughs> Provide for it. We wonder why it's still kind of an angry master and welling up and so strong. is because we're feeding it. We're filling our mind and our hearts, perhaps, with the normal fare on the television screen. Well, that feeds the lusts of the flesh. Don't make provision for it. Don't coddle it. Don't excuse it. I don't care if you just came to Christ this week or if you've been a Christian 35 years. Make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Maybe even as I speak, the Holy Spirit pinpoints some things in your life where you've allowed for the flesh. You say, well, that's just the way I am. I'm an angry man. I've always been. My dad had a hot temper. And I just am that way. Make no provision 
for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Have done with all that malice and bitterness and anger. Live in the joy and peace that God has provided for you. Take those old clothes off. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've just said to yourself, well, there's just one area of my life that I, I still enjoy. I, I've never been able to, in fact, I don't even tell anybody. Nobody knows about it. Oh, yes, sir. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. But make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. You know, it's so liberating. Lazarus came out of that tomb and he was bound hand and foot. And Jesus said, unbind him. When you put off the old, there is freedom. When you put on the lifestyle of Christ, when you allow him to create in you a lifestyle that is his, there is liberty. There is freedom. There is light. There is joy. There's the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness of Christ's lifestyle. I want you to look at one final passage as we think about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over to 1 John 5. It says it so well. In fact, this week, uh, I know we've cited a lot of scripture here, but uh, this week I've been throwing them out as many as I've been gathering <laughs> because there's so many and they speak. It's so good to let the scripture describe because God knows what you face. This stuff you face down at work or the pressure in your marriage or the challenge of living the Christian life in 2001 in this increasingly decaying culture, it's not a surprise to God. In fact, history is full of this stuff. This is called the age of darkness. The night is almost over. The day is at hand. Live like children of light. And he says, 1 John 1, verse 5, This is the message which we've heard from him and announced to you. That God is light, and in Him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin." And if we say we don't sin, he goes on, says in verse 8, we're kidding ourselves. But if we'll confess our sin, verse 9, he'll forgive us. But if we say we love him and yet we walk in the darkness, we're not kidding anybody except ourselves perhaps. Oh, maybe you can fool others even. But he says, you're lying, you're not practicing the truth. You walk in the light as he is in the light. And his blood cleanses you from all sin and you have fellowship with his children and it is a blessed life indeed. Listen, wake up, he says, the hour is at hand. Your salvation is nearer to you than when you believed. Live that way. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. We're grateful that you've joined us today to listen to this broadcast. If you'd like to hear more on your own schedule or would like to download any past message or subscribe to our podcast, just head over to our website at abideintheword.us. 
If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on Live Stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 a.m. program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. We're continuing to see new growth in the Romans Project on the continent of Africa. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this ministry or become a partner with us as we minister to pastors and church leaders throughout Africa. Just navigate over to romansproject.org or connect with us at facebook.com slash romansproject. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Adding to the scripture is not a sign of strength. It's a sign of weakness. To take and add your list of things that you won't do uh, for the Lord's sake and begin to impose them on others, perhaps, uh, Paul begins by pointing out that it is the one who is weaker who has man-made prohibitions. And church history, since Paul wrote this, is littered with individuals and groups who have gone to seed on this sort of thing. And there have been lacking in our day, and there aren't lacking today, those who would mix uh, your diet with Christianity, one way or another, and uh, begin to impose kind of a stricter standard on, and think that you're really walking with the Lord if you eat a certain way. And uh, it's just a kind of a, we're kind of prone. Our nature is that way. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Regarding Weaker Brethren. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you 